Welcome to the Michelin ASBK preview show presented by Akropovic thanks to Gas Imports. I'm Renita, an aspiring motorsport presenter and your host of Inside Line. And this is the preview show for the start of the 2024 Australian Superbike Championship ahead of round one at Phillip Island. Today, we're chatting with Chris Vermeulen, MotoGP race winner, World Supersport champion and multiple time World Superbike runner up. And if you haven't guessed it, my brother. We chat a little bit about Motorcycling Australia's announcement of signing Chris to the commentary team, his career and his thoughts on the upcoming race at Phillip Island. The Inside Line Show will review each round of the Australian Superbike Championship with myself and plenty of guests along the way. This show is brought to you by Michelin's all-new GP2 and the Power 6 range, which is out now. Feel like an expert on the track and extend your confidence on the road. Plus, we can't forget about Akrapovic's all-new slip-on titanium line developed exclusively for the BMW GS range. For more info, head to gasimports.com.au to find your local Akrapovic and Michelin dealer. But for now, let's get on with the show. All right, guys, welcome back to Inside Line episode number two. And we have a very special guest for our second episode. Some of you guys may know him as a 2003 World Supersport champion, MotoGP race winner, multiple World Superbike runner-up. For me, he is my older brother, but I'm happy to introduce Chris Vermeulen. Chris, welcome to Inside Line. Yeah, thanks, Nates. Um, funny to talk to you doing this, but... Uh, so weird. <laughs> But um, no, it's uh, it, it's good to uh, see what you're doing and good to be on here. Thank you. So obviously I wanted to bring Chris on because Motorcycling Australia announced last week that you are now the commentator for the Australian Superbike Championship. And it's been a long time since you were part of ASBK, but what's it like coming back and being part of Australian Superbikes? Well, really enjoying it. And I love the TV side. So when I retired from racing, I worked with Fox Sports and, and uh, on the MotoGP team and, and covered that. But we were in a studio in, in Sydney and watching the races around the world, so you feel a little bit disjointed. I love it when the when I'd go to a race or the Australian Grand Prix, etc. And um, recently I filled in as a couple of times as a guest commentator in ASBK and really enjoyed being at the track again. So um, when I got the opportunity to uh, to do it full-time, I thought, yeah, why not? Let's have a go at this. And um, it's really fun. Um, I enjoy it's It's a little bit more grassroots racing I guess you could say compared to MotoGP um, it, and it's where everyone started it's where I started back in the time but so many young kids so it's such a great atmosphere to be around and it, it reminds me of you know racing for fun and and, and trying to get experience and learning and um, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable to be in the paddock so uh, I'm excited to be there hopefully I can bring some of my knowledge you know that things I've learned over the years to some of these um, these younger riders and, and teams etc um, and yeah to to build up the sport and hopefully give it as much coverage as we can. Yeah, so you mentioned there that it's been a long time since you were part of ASBK. Mm -hmm. I barely remember it because I was so young, but I think it was like late 90s, like 98, 99, you raced. Tell us what it was back then. Were you riding for Yamaha? Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. Peter Doyle, those who are in the industry will know Peter. He now runs basically Motorcycling Australia. He was a mechanic or, or uh, worked for ran, a team? He then? ran Kawasaki Racing. That's it, yeah. He ran Kawasaki Racing back in the day. Um, they were one of the top teams. Andrew Pitt raced there in 99. He was, uh, he battled 
battled for the championship with Steve Martin, who I'm going to be co-commentating with. Yeah. Um, so Steve Martin, <laughs> Phil Harlem, a great commentary team. So they're still there. Steve with a lot of experience as well. And um, and yeah, no. So uh, and I raced in uh, '98. I turned 16. Long story short, you couldn't road race till you're 16 at the time. Um, did a couple of races on a 250 GP bike um, and filled in on a, on a 600 Supersport bike and a couple of races, did reasonably well. Yamaha gave me an opportunity as a privateer with um, a bike and some parts. And uh, with Kev Marshall, who now runs the Yamaha racing road racing team, um, yeah, we ran a pretty successful privateer um, outfit, got a couple of podiums, and that was my first year of full racing. Um, Barry Sheen was the TV commentator then, and uh, and from that, opportunity you know doing well in front of Barry that that gave me a leg up in my career but um so I do have have some experience of ASBK um I mean the championship was very very strong then and it's on its way back to those days um you know the 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 factory support there for a a lot of manufacturers and um, some really fast young riders coming through as well. Before we keep talking about ASBK, I thought it'd be interesting for those who don't necessarily know your journey and maybe only saw you when you did go to MotoGP mm-hmm. to talk about how you did eventually get from Australia to there. You mentioned Barry, and I think it'd be cool for people to know how Barry did help you get to England and then how you progressed from there. So what was the step then from Australia? Did you win a championship here? How did that go? And then... What yeah, happens? no, I, did, I didn't win a championship here. Um, like I said, I was in the main class, but my first full year of racing and a couple of podiums. And I had an opportunity from, I, I had a few offers from manufacturers to keep racing in Australia. I got to know Barry, asked his opinion. Basically, he said, if I want to progress my career at this time to go to Europe, I need to, uh, to go over to Europe. So I, he got me a, a test for a team in the British Superbike Championship in Supersport um, and Superstock. And I tested for that team I was quicker than my teammate at the test so I got the ride first round I was qualified on the front row of the grid it opens people's eyes um it did pretty well in that championship um I think I was fourth in super sport second in super stock um but that year I won the European super stock round that came to Donington I did it as a wild card got an opportunity to fill in for a world super sport team at the end of that year when a rider got injured again qualifying on the same row as my teammate at that time was Pere Reba, who is uh, Kawasaki crew chief now, Jonathan Ray's crew chief for six world championships. Wow. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's taking these opportunities as they come. And that was World Supersport. You know, I spent three years in that class and then eventually won a world championship, got a step up to Superbike, a couple of race wins, I think 10 or 12, um, but challenged for the championship a couple of times there. Um, and then the opportunity to get on this thing, the Suzuki MotoGP bike. So, that's that's condensing it really quick, but it's uh, yeah, with a few opportunities and um, and taking them when they come and uh, and just giving it your best all the time, really. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense, and it was cool because I got to see it, but I was so young, so for me it was normal. And since I've been doing this and <laughs> listening to you, I'm learning all this stuff that I had no idea about because I was like six when you moved or seven yeah, when you I went know. to England. You, well, I went over there in 2000, right? Yeah, so ninety three. So yeah, seven. Yeah, you were seven years old and. I remember you used to come over with mum and dad occasionally. Yeah. So you'd spin with all the racetracks, but yeah, as a kid. So um, yeah, and that's that was the, the, the busy part of my career. Definitely. Like when he talks about the World Supersport fill-in ride, that was with Castro, Honda, Colin uh-huh. Edwards was on the Superbike. Colin Edwards was on the Superbike. And the following year, I rode for that team full-time and Colin Edwards and Taddy Okada that's it, were yeah. the Superbike riders. I was the Supersport rider. I, w- I was in my element. Those two guys were my heroes, you know, um, and they were my teammates. So it was... Um, 
Yeah, sensational times. It was a shocking year. Long story, we were on Michelin tyres, which we struggled against. Oh, but be careful saying Michelin because they actually <laughs> sponsor this podcast. No, so. but that's the way it was. You know, we won races with. I've won races with Michelin <laughs> since, but that year we struggled. They were great on the super bikes, but on the super sport tyre that year were not competitive against the other brands. And um, but yeah, then we we progressed in the in the years following. You know, so um, yeah. Yeah, and then what was it like taking that jump from World Superbikes then to MotoGP? Because I don't necessarily think. People realise how different the championships are. They think, oh, why can't a superbike rider, why can't Johnny Ray just come and jump up on a MotoGP? Yeah, and Jonathan's had a couple of opportunities. And look, he did well on the MotoGP bike when he filled in for Casey Stoner when he when he broke his ankle and um, or ankle. And uh, but it's it's very look. Superbike is more a production based bike, basically. Um, so there are chassis that come off production lines. They're, there's a lot more flexibility in them. And when I was in Superbike, it was even more raw. There were no electronics. So mm. the bike had 200 horsepower. It had 200 horsepower in first gear. It had 200 horsepower in sixth gear. So it was a lot more riding it with your with your right hand and um, and controlling things with the clutch and brakes and uh, way less electronics. And when I got to MotoGP, I was like, wow. This is a step up. This is going from 200 to 250 horsepower, but all these electronics, a rigid chassis, carbon fiber brakes, um, tires. At that time, it was an open tire rule. So tires that were competing against each other. Um, or the manufacturers. Tire manufacturers. But you guys were on Bridgestone. We were on Bridgestone. Yeah. Uh, Michelin and Dunlop were in the championship as well. Yeah, okay. Um, and, uh, and, you know, Rossi was winning championships on Michelin at that time. Then Casey come in and won on the Bridgestone. And Rossi won again on a Michelin, you know. So it was, yeah. it was very competitive. And the tyre manufacturers were, were competing against each other hard as well. Um, but the electronics, the budgets, going from Superbike, roughly a team was spending around 3 million euros a year to sort of 30, 35 million at Suzuki. Um, oh you God. know, so 10, 10 times as much money. Yeah. Um, I didn't get paid 10 times as much. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, so so quite different, and to understand and ride and develop a machine, and give that feedback, you got about thirty odd mechanics in the garage with two riders. So, um, you're you're a very important team player, and that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. And then with the MotoGP bikes, those who do follow along would have just seen the testing happening. Mm. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how much the testing the parts does eventually go back onto the road bikes or is it more for racing specific? Like we see all this aero and stuff like that now, you know? Look, to be fair, I don't know how much aero is going to help you on the road. You know, yeah. when, you, when you're sitting in the, at, officially at the speed limit, what, 110 plus 10%, what, 120 k's an hour, you're going yeah. to get a, <laughs> the front end. Yeah, so, um, but look, a lot of technology has filtered through. Uh, okay. It will do from the tyre manufacturers as well, from the brake manufacturers, from suspension components, um, oh, engine characters, electronics these days. You know, the bikes have traction control. They have ABS systems. They have wet weather riding modes. So a lot of that stuff has come and it initially came from racing. Mm-hmm. And when I was working for a, for a major manufacturer, roughly half of our budget came from marketing and half from R&D because R&D could justify putting the develop into, development into racing because it would filter down to what they sell eventually. So the aero side, ride height devices, mm, not so much. But, yeah. but they are developing lots and lots of other things behind the scenes. That's, that's just what we see on the outside. So then taking that aspect back to Australian superbikes, those bikes would have been developed a lot more than when you were racing them back yeah. then. So they're completely new now. 
but the technology is slowly advancing down. So they they would have the electronics on them, right? Oh, very they, much so. Yeah. I, I think, and I, and I spoke in in depth to Troy Herfoss last year at one of the rounds, and I think the electronics he's got on his bike are as the ad- Honda, the Honda, yeah. or the Honda. Sorry, from last year, were, yeah. were as advanced, if not more, than say a Suzuki I rode in the early two thousands. Um, you wow. know, so it, it does filter down. Um, and it does get there and it gets more affordable for the teams and, and they are progressing. But, um, yeah, the Australian super, super bikes, the high-spec bikes, they are quite high-spec. They're quite fast. And a lot of these guys that are competing at the front of that have the ability and the speed to compete at the, uh, at the front end of World Superbike. You know, they are fast riders. So um, it is a cool sport to see and it is cool that we've got this such a strong, such a, f- a high level, I guess you could say, domestic championship. Yeah, so we're coming up to round one uh, in a couple of weeks' time, mm-hmm. which is the supporting round for the World Superbikes. Yep. So let's chat. Obviously, we know that you're going to be commentating for the ASBK, but before we even go dive into ASBK for this year, let's talk World Superbikes, okay? What do you think or who do you think is going to be on the podium? We've got Sam Lowe's coming back from Moto2. Yep. Johnny Ray has changed manufacturers. Yep. Alex Lowe's is pretty strong. Yep. Who do you think we're going to see? Top racks moved as well. Top manufacturers. Rack, yeah. We got Nicola Bulliga, the world supersport champion, moving up to. Uh, he's on Kawasaki. No, he's on the Ducati. Ducati. He's, he's Alvaro Bautista's teammate. Yeah. So, and and on that point, no one has won the world supersport and world superbike championship. I'm the closest, apparently. Oh. I was I was world supersport champion, world superbike runner up. Um. So nobody has won both, and and Bulliga's been really fast in testing. So it'd be interesting to see how how he handles the bigger bike and and a little bit higher level of rider or depth of field, I guess you could say. So, yeah. um, you know, in World Superbike, you're having a bad weekend. You're back in 12th place. You know, you're not you're not still finishing fourth or fifth like he was in, in Super Sport. So um, a lot of fast guys. You mentioned all the names there. I think uh, Top Rack's going to be quick on the Beamer, how he can manage the tyre around Phillip Island. Like, this time at Phillip Island's just been resurfaced. So yeah. new surface. going to be interesting to see how that plays out because last time they did that, it was pre motor GP race, 2013, and they had to... St- everyone had to pit halfway through the race and change tyres. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Pirelli deal with this, how the track unfolds and, and how it loses its edge. Um, the reason that happens at Phillip Island, it's such a high-speed circuit, and especially the end part of the lap, and the, the, the lean angle and the speed and the force you carry in that rear tyre, it just pushes the tyre temperature above where they're, they're able to handle. So, um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they play out. Um, but going just off subject a little bit, ASBK have different tyre manufacturers. So, mm. you know, World Superbike is a one-tyre make with Pirelli. We've got Michelin and Dunlop fighting Pirelli in ASBK. So someone could have an advantage there for sure. Ah, okay. Who do you think is going to be on the podium though for the Superbikes? Uh, I'm going to go Bautista will be on the podium for sure. He's yeah. fast around there. Um, uh, Toprak, Razgaglioglu and... <laughs> so well done pronouncing the surname. <laughs> I am not sure of another one. I reckon Alex Lowe's will get one podium out of the two races. Um, but let's yeah. wait and see. Yeah, I, I pretty much was going to say pretty much the same thing. I think Bautista is going to be on the podium. He's for fast sure. around Phillip Island. He loves Phillip Island. Yeah. He nearly podiumed in his last MotoGP race there. He yeah. really challenged. He beat uh, um, Andrea De Vizioso. So he's strong. He's strong around there. He loves the place. Yep. Yeah. All right. So let's talk ASBK because that's obviously why most people are going to be listening to this. Let's talk about last season. It mm-hmm. was awesome that it went down to the final race. Troy 
didn't just walk away with the championship. You know, he was fighting with Josh all the way up to the bend. I think it could have been, what definitely could have been either one of those two took it. It's just that Troy was a little bit stronger there because of what happened previously. What was your take on last season's racing? It was close. It was strong and um, it's not a big championship. So there's, you know, seven or eight rounds each year. Yeah. A couple of races at, at each round. A crash can really hurt your championship points. And I think... Um, Josh Water started so strong he, mm. and he is quick around Phillip Island. He's quick around Sydney Motorsport Park. And when he gets – and he's on that McMartin Ducati, which is – it's a proven package. You know, Wayne Maxwell's won on that bike before. Mm. And he's got Maxwell in the team. He's got Craig McMartin there. He's got a lot of experience. I think um, he was so strong coming out of the blocks. And, and Herfoss, he's been progressively improving coming back from that big injury that he had in Darwin a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and he was starting to show speed. And then we got to a couple of the tighter, twistier tracks and it really suited Troy's style. And he doesn't mind getting his elbow out. And he doesn't mind getting in a biff barge, you know, having a proper race. And um, the thing is, we, we're only talking about those two, but Mike Jones was in the mix most of the year as well. He and was, really, really yeah. strong. So it's not only that they're fighting each other. There's, there's Jonesy was there, Crew Halliday at the odd race. You know, it's, you get Arthur Cesis gets a good start. And I mean, he can hold the guys off for most of the race. So there's there's some really strong riders in there. Um, and, and it filters all the way through. Um, so, you know, and, and I'm just thinking of more and more names that are coming mm. up. Brian Starring yeah. is getting strong at a few rounds. Um, so it's, it's an interesting championship. But going to this year, I think we've got some really young riders coming through as well. You know, we've got Max Stouffer. Mm-hmm. His old man didn't do too bad back in yeah. his day either. Um, Cameron um, Dunker's coming up from from Supersport, really yep. strong, really a young rider, very hungry, a lot of potential there. So um, it's really going to be interesting to see how this unfolds this year. Yeah, I was thinking, how is it going to play out this year now that Troy's gone to America? Josh is obviously strong. Crew and Mike have been on the Yamahas for so long that they know that bike inside and out. Like you said, Brian Starring. He's a race winner. Did yep. he win the championship? He's he's on. He's really strong yeah, anyway. Uh, and you've got Brock Pearson Brock, on the Desmo yeah. Sport Ducati. And and talking about that, I know Herfoss, Troy Herfoss has gone to America, but there's a lot of talk that he's going to be on the, f- the grid for the first round on the uh, Desmo Sport Ducati as a second rider. I did see him testing on that. Well, he's been doing the summer series um, at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. He's done some tests at Phillip Island. Um, if he does well at that round, will he go to the second round? Yeah. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone else, I don't think any of the rounds clash. So, will he do both championships? Let's travel backwards and forwards. It's not that far, is it? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. It'd be great to see him do some more rounds. And um, because he's a strong rider, he's a multiple champion, and it'd be good to see him here as well. But, and he'll just add to that mix. So, um, it'll be interesting. It's a shame that the factory Honda team is not there, but they're supporting Mark Kyoto. Honda is getting support there. Um, So, all the manufacturers are involved in the championship still, which is great to see. It is. It's so good that the championship is coming back up. Obviously, now we've got you there, Steve Martin. He does a great job. There's these big names coming back in that are just helping the sport grow. Yes. And that's all we want, right? And Troy Corsa, um, Troy, ex-world yeah. superbike champion, is involved in the sport as well, um, helping some young riders. So, um, yeah, really, really good to see. Gary McCoy is the coach for the uh, Oceanic Junior Cup yeah. riders. Um, so, it's great to see Gaz out there. He's he's about as tall as the, the 12 and 13-year-old <laughs> riders. But, um, so, it's hard to spot him between them. But uh, so much experience, so many Grand Prix wins there as well. So, uh, yeah, it's really good that there's, um, there's so many names coming back and helping the sport from the grassroots. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look. Round one then for the Australian Superbikes is supporting the World Superbikes at Phillip Island. 
let's call it, who's going to be on the podium? Oh. As we <laughs> asking early, it's okay if it's wrong. Whenever I get asked, I'm always wrong. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm going to go – I reckon podium will be Waters. I reckon Max Stofer yeah. will be on the podium as well. He's been really, really strong. And I'm going to go – Brock Pearson, I reckon they've made some steps in that Desmo Sport Ducati team as well. So yeah. there's three names, probably completely wrong, but let's <laughs> yeah. let's see. Fingers That's crossed. That's all right. We'll see after mm. how the weekend goes. But I was just thinking, obviously I've never raced myself, but for these guys who are going to step onto what we call the world stage, right? They are supporting mm-hmm. the World Superbikes. Yep. What does it mean for these riders? Are people from World Superbikes, are, are team owners and whatnot, watching these guys to help? bring them up or is it giving them a platform where they can eventually step to or is it just there for uh, I don't want to say entertainment purposes is it uh, look I think all of the above yeah. um, you know I, I think it's fantastic that the that they can run around together and it's great for spectators because um, there's people that will only go to World Superbike round and they'll go and see the Australian Superbike support races and they might get a buzz out of it and continue to other rounds um, but yeah it does open the odds are some young kids there showing potential. They get to meet some of the other riders, some of the team managers, mechanics uh, from the World Superbike teams. It opens doors. People will see how they hold themselves, you know, how they perform on track but off track as well. Um, so, yeah, lots of um, lots of opportunity there for the young riders but lots of opportunity for spectators who come and watch the sport as well. And with World Superbikes, you can get a bit more up close and personal than you can with MotoGP, right? Oh, the paddock is way more open. It's uh, more relaxed. Look, I love MotoGP. It is... It's the it's the premier class, yeah. um, but it is very restrictive. Um, you, you can see the the crowd can't get into the paddock. World Superbike they put on a fantastic paddock show, um, run by Michael Hill, who's he's very flamboyant, and he can get the yeah. riders doing just about whatever they <laughs> whatever he wants. Um, and the crowd, everyone gets to see that. So um, you get up close and personal with the teams, with the bikes, with the riders. So um, yeah, it's a cool weekend to be involved. Awesome. So guys, if you're listening and you're still not sure if you're going to make it down for Phillip Island, highly recommend because you can get up close and personal to check out some awesome racing. But I think that's about it, Chris. Where can everybody find you? Obviously, you're on socials, but with the <laughs> ASU... Very, very rarely. Yeah, he doesn't post, so <laughs> you can go on if you want to, but there's nothing much on there. No. Um, but with the ASBK, you guys are going to be live on uh, SBS. We're going to be SBS uh, for the first round. Um, unfortunately, we're not showing the smaller classes, the Supersport 300. Um, and the junior races because of the World Superbike program, but there'll be the Australian Supersport and Superbike races will be um, on Sunday, I believe, only on SBS. Um, there'll be races Saturday and Sunday, but they'll be you know shown all on Sunday. Um, yeah, so so check it out there and hope you enjoy the enjoy the racing. Awesome, sweet. Thanks for chatting with me. No worries. Good on your needs. Thanks.